I've long found Italy to have some of the tastiest food you'll find anywhere. The amazing variety of simple, fresh ingredients and traditional recipes will vary from region to region thanks in part to its long coastlines and Italy's proximity to neighboring Mediterranean, Slavic, and Germanic cultures. Let's explore some of the comfort foods of Italy right now with Italian food expert and chef Lydia Bastianich. Lydia has made a career out of being a chef, television host, author, and restaurateur. She was born in what used to be an Italian enclave on the Istrian Peninsula. Her family escaped Tito's communist regime during the Istrian exodus and eventually settled in New York City. Lydia writes about her family's story and the recipes of her childhood in her book, My American Dream, A Life of Love, Family, and Food. Lydia, thanks for being here. Oh, my pleasure, Rick. So how long have you been doing your Lydia's Italy show now on public television? The show is on 20 years now, Rick, so it's been a while. Wow. Before that, you were, uh, I understand you were a Master Chef guest on Julia Child. Well, how it all happened was when I opened for Lydia in 1981, I became the chef there. We had restaurants before, but I wasn't the full-blown chef. But when we opened for Lydia, I decided that, uh, you know, Italian-American cuisine was the cuisine then. still is now, and it's delicious. But I was going to do regional Italian cuisine. Italy has 20 regions, and, you know, Italy is smaller than California, and yet it is so diverse, uh, you know, in its topography and geography and dialects and songs, but most of all in its food. And it's just so much to tell about Italian food. And that's what I started doing at Felidia. Well, and Lydia, started... let's, let's talk about that just for a minute, because this is a travel show, and we're all dreaming of going to Italy. And, of course, we know what art to see, and we know what museums to see, and we know what hikes to take. What about uh, sort of a food agenda? If you were planning somebody's trip to Italy and they were going to many regions, talk about some of the most distinctive regions and what we'd want to be sure to enjoy while there to eat that beautiful slice of Italian cuisine and enjoy it fully. Well, you know, the Italian cuisine is straightforward, simple, but it is very seasonal. So I would travel seasonally through Italy. And certainly, uh, you know, fall... Uh, you got to start in Piemonte. You have the truffles, you have the porcinis, you have the good Barolo wine, and that will keep you going, your your senses going. But, you know, if you go in June and July, you go down to Liguria, uh, a lot of fresh uh, basil, vegetables, green. You can imagine Liguria is green, pestos. Uh, uh, that's why a lot of bluefish, sardines, that's the zone of that. And just you so go people down, know, Lydia, here, Piedmont is up in the north, right? Piedmont would right. be around what big city is Piedmont? Well, Piedmont is northwest of Milano. It's right underneath the French. Okay. And Liguria, you just go down from there. It's, if you will, in the left armpit. Of oh, the, what the left is, armpit, that would be Genoa. Exactly. That's Liguria, the regional No of offense to Genoa and the Cinque Terre. <laughs> I remember in the Cinque Terre, they're so proud of their pesto. I guess the Liguria is where pesto came from. Absolutely. All kinds of herbs, greens, uh, Mm. and a lot of of the bluefish, sardines, and all of that. Tuscany, rustic cuisine, you know, beans, uh, big pieces of meat, uh, uh, bread, you know, chunky bread. So if you're in a mood for uh, good wine, uh, beautiful scenery, and uh, uh, wholesome food, you know, it's not Delicate food, but it's really kind of hearty. Uh, food. Yeah, hearty Tuscany. But so that's then, Tuscany you know, around Florence for people who around Florence right. and the hills. Okay, but you know, then if it's nice summer July, I would go to Sicily. 
Sicily, you know, has mm. the island of Sicily. Uh, eggplants, tomatoes, all the, the swordfish in the summer. It's beautiful. The summer really, Sicily explodes with flavor. There's an intensity in the products in Sicily that you find nowhere else. And at the same time... And by the way, about go, Sicily here, before we leave that beautiful... That's the football at the end of the boot of Italy, right? And Exactly. And Sicily is different than a lot of Italy because it has this layer cake of civilizations, so many conquering civilizations coming through, and many of them left a little bit of their food heritage, didn't they? And we enjoy that today when we eat in Sicily. Absolutely. If you're talking about, you know, rice, uh, raisins, pignoli, nuts, oranges, dates, they Mm. all came from the Middle East through Sicily into Italy. So, and Italy was under the Spanish rules, under the, uh, uh, so, so it has a lot of that kind of Mediterranean, lower Mediterranean and Spanish flavor. And then you just cross over the Stretto di Messina, which is that little piece of water, and you're into Calabria. And Calabria is wonderful. It's wonderful in the summer and into the fall. It has this explosive use of peperoncino. It has wonderful peperoncino, wonderful licorice, licorizia. What is peperoncino? Peperoncino is hot pepper. Oh, okay. it's, it's You know, it's like the Italian version of Tabasco, if you will. Ah. You know, it's like Nanduia now. <laughs> uh, Nanduia is in style now. It's that kind of red paste that you spread or put. That's Calabria. Ah. Wonderful with its cheeses. Calabria has a lot of, of the, the Greeks, you know, the Odysseys and all of that, the story. That's the travels to Calabria. Oh, yeah. And so it has a lot of the Greek influence in its cooking. And you move over to the heel of Italy, which is Puglia. Also, a lot of Greek because it's right over, you know, when the wars in Greece, uh, the Trojan Wars and all, mm-hmm. escaped into into what is now Puglia of Italy. There, what they have, wonderful fish, of course, because it's the little heel, has mm-hmm. uh, water all around it. But it's all about legumes, uh, chechi beans, lentils. Mm. It's about chicories, you know, those those uh, uh, puntarelles, if you will, chicory salads, and a lot of chicory olive oils. is that a lot of tourists, they think they're getting a plate of uh, spinach, but it's, uh, it's chicory, actually, isn't it? It's the healthiest green for you. And, of course, the burrata now, everybody, mm. that's, that's where it has its origin. And then, you know, if you go all the way up to where I come from, Friuli, uh, Friuli is, is a combination. It has in its cuisine the Austrian, uh, the uh, Austrian, some Hungarian, and, of course, the Slavic, Polenta. And it's right on the hills of the Alps. So a lot of great cheese. So the Friuli Montazio would be cheese. the northeast of Italy, and, and that was near where you grew up. And let's make this exactly. very clear. If you had these giant cultural tectonic plates coming together... You've got three of them. You've got the Germanic world, you've got the Italian and the ro- Romantic world, and you've got the Slavic and, uh, world exactly. coming together. What's an example of Germanic, Slavic, and Italian uh, heritage that mixes together in that northeastern corner of Italy? If you have the, the, the Germanic, uh, you have the, uh, the Spetzels mm. and the Speck, which is the smoked prosciutto. Ah, the Dolomite, uh, up in the Dolomite Mountains. That's what yes, you have. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, the the uh, um, Slavic is, they ha- they make a brovada there, which is pickled turnips. And then they shred it, and it's like sauerkraut. And they use this pickled turnips to to uh, as a vegetables in soups. It's brovada with musetto. Musetto is this delicious sausage that in, mm. in Emilia-Romagna they call it cotechino. That's uh, very, very kind of a lot of those cured meats, 
so German, Slavic, and then, of course, the desserts that are kind of, again, uh, a mixture of, of the Austrian. We make there um, a gnocchi col susino, which is a, a potato gnocchi. But instead of the little gnocchis, it's a big gnocchi, we put plums when they're ripe or plum jam. I jam love in it. it. I love it. I want to go we there. We cook it. We cook it, and and then we roll it in cinnamon and breadcrumbs, and it's so delicious. And I have people, you know, that are Austrian, uh, even even as far as uh, Czech and whatever. I said, you know, my mother used to make that. I said, well, we make it up in Friuli, Venezia, Giulia. And you know, Rick, now when I go home, we have our home uh, near Cividale del Friuli, uh, the very the medieval town of Cividale del Friuli, which is beautiful. And uh, so so I get involved in the in the regional cuisine. We have. Uh, a little uh, winery there, and we also have a little B&B called Orsone there. Nice. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Lydia Bastianich, and we know her as the host of Lydia's Italy on public television and, of course, her many popular cookbooks. Her new book is My American Dream, A Life of Love, Family, and Food, and it's her autobiography. Lydia, when we think about Italian food, I think it's the case in a lot of cultures In America, we learn about the cuisine of a land by the people who bring it to us, and the people who come into our country are oftentimes the poor and the the desperate corners of those countries. Consequently, they'll bring a lot of the cuisine from the poor class or from the poor regions. In America, would you say that's fair, that people came from the poor parts of Italy and we eat a lot of recipes that would be uh, for the lower classes? Absolutely, Rick. You know, and that's how the Italian-American cuisine was born, it's, which is quite different than the regional Italian cuisine when you go to Italy and eat. And that is precisely that at the end of how, the How so exactly? 18- Talk just specifics, because I get a sense that Americans think this is Italian, but no, it's actually Calabrian or, or wherever these people came from. Well, some of the first the, the first influx of Italian immigrants at the end of the 1800s came from basically three regions, which is Sicily, Calabria, and Campania, where Naples is. Oh. So those three regions were the first immigrants. Those were the poorest region, and uh, they came on their boats, not bringing anything, much of anything, and they came to a new country. They bought the memories of what they cooked. But they had none of the ingredients. And a cuisine is very difficult to transport if you Mm. don't have the right ingredients. So they adopted the ingredients that they found in America and with the memories of how to cook them. And this new cuisine, the Italian-American cuisine, was born. Is that like Uh, spaghetti with meatballs? Because I don't think of that as Italian as much as American. It's not. It's very much American. So uh, the spaghetti, of course, yes. The sauce, uh, absolutely, in Italy they do. But when they came to America, these immigrants, what was abundant in America was meat. And meat signified for this, hmm. this, uh, this people celebration. You know, and so they, when they made their Sunday sauce, instead of making the, making it a mere uh, marinara or tomato sauce with a little bit of pork, they put a lot of meat in it because that signified that they came, they lived well now. So when mm. an Italian makes his sauce, meatballs go in there, sausages go in there now, the Italian-American. And spaghetti and meat, meatballs, spaghetti with some sauce were not enough. The meatballs were added just to show now we live well. So that's a declaration of success. We are immigrants, yes. and now we've got lots of meat, and when you have your Italian pasta, it's going to come with more meat than any Italian ever saw back in the old country. 
Exactly. And so the evolution of the Italian-American cuisine went way in until the ingredients did start to come in and the Italians began to grow their own products. You know, California now produces so many of the Italian vegetables, uh, broccoli di rape, artichokes, garlic, all of that that is necessary for the Italian cuisine. I love this idea that a lot of times, this is my own personal theory, that immigrants keep alive some of the most sort of humble and, and hard scrabble dimensions of the cuisine just to remind their grandchildren how tough it was back home. Uh, in Norway, we have uh, a few, uh, in Norwegian culture, we have a few dishes that are just like, uh, you know, reminding us of the hardship of our of our forebears. Uh, there's a lot of food in Italy. Ribolita, for example, is just a, a celebration sure. of, of um, using yesterday's bread creatively today, isn't it? Absolutely. And now, actually, it's almost chic, to Mm -hmm. return to those values. And as a chef, you see a lot of the chefs really kind of uh, sprucing up, if you will, those poor dishes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they have a message that comes along with it. And you're right, you know, through generations, actually it is very important uh, to share the culinary heritage within each family, within each, because it gives you strength. It gives you identity to who, who, who you are. You know, we are, yes, as we we talked, we are all, um, this is America, but all of us are from an immigrant source. Let's go a little wider on this, Lydia. This is such a beautiful thought to, to wrap up our conversation with. When we think, uh, I've been talking about my Norwegian heritage. I've got friends who are Filipino, Ethiopian, Mexican, Irish. They all have this deep-seated need and joy of, of remembering their heritage through the food that they eat. Tell me how you, as a, as a person with a, with a wonderful family that came to the United States, and it's the beautiful immigrant story, what does food mean to you as a way to remember your roots? Food is my way of sort of honoring, remembering, and transporting my roots through my future generations, my children, my grandchildren. For me, it's very important that they understand, you know, what my grandmother cook, what my mother cooks, the flavors. These are the flavors of their roots, of their relatives. And what it does, it gives them strength to relate to food at the table when the holidays come and you have the cookie that's been on the table for Mm. five generations. Mm. There's a common bond that happens. You feel like you belong. This is your clan in a way. And everybody loves to belong. And food does that. Food transcends, you know. Language you lose, you lose within first, second generation unless you make an effort. But food and flavors transcends three, four generations and more. When I was a child, I remember my grandmother gave me this krumkaka iron where you'd make the famous Norwegian cookies. And I didn't realize it then, but it was a ritual for her. She wanted me to have that iron so I could remember my heritage. And I was recently in Verona in Italy, and I stumbled onto a a festival, and I asked the people, what's going on? And they say, every summer on this day we gather, and the older kids teach the younger kids how to make a good ravioli. And I just thought, this is worked into that society. They want to keep those traditions alive so they can remember from where they came. And, And that's exactly what you're celebrating in your work, I think. Yes, I am. And I sense, you know, even the the people that, that come to me that have, that are three, four generations Italian, when they watch me, they say, oh, this, my grandmother used to make it. She never gave me the recipe. Oh, thank you, Lydia. They relive through my recipes and whatever, their own life, their own heritage. 
Lydia Bastianich, what a delight to talk with you and, and to celebrate this culture, to celebrate your work. Um, best wishes with uh, Lydia's Italy, and congratulations on your new book, your autobiography, My American Dream. Grazie, Rick. Ciao, buon lavoro. Rick Steves teaches smart European travel. At ricksteves.com, you'll find an archive of interviews from his radio show, free audio tours of Europe's top sites, and a world of information to help turn your travel dreams into smooth and affordable reality. Begin your next trip at ricksteves.com.